We finally know the new home for Connor Bedard, and a lot of people are not too happy. We will talk about that plus the playoffs on today's episode of Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. I am Brett Holden from Locked On Oilers and joining me as always on this wonderful Tuesday morning is Dane Lewis from Locked On Stars. Dane, both of our teams still in the playoffs, so I imagine your day is going pretty well. Yeah, all all things considered, it's fine. I know both of our teams uh, were hoping for better Game 3 performances, but... (laughs) <laughs> you know, at least they're in the playoffs and both series far from over, which I know we'll talk about uh, later on in the show. Yes, we are going to be outlining both series between the Oilers and the Golden Knights and the Stars and the Kraken a little later on on today's episode. But we are going to get started with the biggest news across the NHL, and that is Connor Bedard is going to be, well, uh, barring an absolutely shambolic surprise he will be heading to the chicago blackhawks as last night the chicago blackhawks won the nhl draft lottery and to a lot of dismay so we will be talking about all that and much more on today's episode of locked on nhl western conference tuesdays thank you so much for making Locked on nhl your first listen every day we are free and available wherever you find your podcast. Alrighty, Dane, we've danced around it enough today. Connor Bedard is on his way to the Chicago Blackhawks. As last night, the Chicago Blackhawks did go on to win the NHL draft lottery, and it was to a little bit of drama, as Kevin Weeks may or may not have <laughs> spoiled said win. But either way, the Chicago Blackhawks will be selecting first as the Anaheim Ducks lose. The NHL draft lottery, and we can go on and on and on about the other teams who will not be picking first. But, Dane, I want your initial reaction to Connor Bedard being a Chicago Blackhawk. Well, I think in a lot of ways it's disappointing. Uh, and with the on-ice product and also, of course, just where Chicago has been in the, the public lighting over the past few seasons, I know it kind of felt like you know they probably don't deserve a player like Connor Bedard, but... Even the on-ice product is not as intriguing to me right now, although I do think the addition of Bedard could spark some interest from free agents and some players maybe interested in going to play in Chicago now. But, I mean, you just look at the other options that were there for teams to win the lottery and get Bedard. You know, Anaheim, you put him alongside Trevor Zegras. I think that could be a lot of fun. Uh, of course, Johnny Gaudreau is in Columbus looking for, you know, that that next one-two punch like he and Kachuk had back in Calgary. And even in, you know, San Jose, Montreal, uh, Arizona. I mean, you can go down the list and you can make a case for, well, he would, you know, Bedard would look good with this player or could play on this line. And now he goes to Chicago where his best teammate is maybe Jason Dickinson. Like, I, I, like, I don't know who, who his best teammate is going to be with the current state of the Blackhawks roster. And so, of course, uh, you know, the ne- next regular season 
is far from here. So I'm, I imagine there will be a plethora of changes in Chicago in terms of personnel. But it, it also just feels weird that uh, an organization that has been in such a bad light as of late is getting seemingly rewarded with, with you know, the, the next great player of this league. And I, I mean, I, I guess the, the NHL at the end of the day is probably very, very happy as that one of their biggest markets uh, is, you know, now has acquired one of the biggest up and coming stars in the game. So I, I guess for Blackhawks fans, I mean, I, I know that it's weird because like the organization has done a lot of bad things, but the fan base, you know, they, they deserve good things because they, pay money to to watch this team and support this team and so I, I i'm happy for the fans but also just a lot of mixed feelings elsewhere yeah uh, let's uh, i won't dance around it i think it is a, an absolute shame that it's the chicago blackhawks getting this uh they in no way as an organization deserve a player like connor bedard uh as mentioned, you the Kyle Beach situation that has been that we talked about a lot over the last summer, and rightfully so, because it was a disgusting thing that happened in the NHL and happened under the Chicago Blackhawks umbrella. And now, 365 days later, we all brush it under the rug and go, Oh, look, the best player since Connor McDavid entering the draft is now going to be a Chicago Blackhawk. I feel bad for it, and it's nothing to the 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 fans. You mentioned the fans. They, they go and spend their hard-earned money to go watch this team, and they were very bad last year, very bad this season. And, well, if you're tanking, you deserve, I guess, a, a top pick. But all things considered, I think it was uh, very poor for the NHL. And, of course, you, you can get into the, oh, is it rigged, this, that, or the other thing. I just think it's a, a tough look for uh, the NHL. If uh, you were really rigging everything, maybe you want to take the light off of yourself in that way. But I'll be 100% honest with you. I wanted Anaheim so, so so bad. And I think, honestly, Connor did too. I think Bedard wanted uh, Anaheim as well. Him and Mason McTavish are really good friends. Every time uh, the Anaheim Ducks would lose, McTavish would text him, go up, oh, another loss. So that was, I wanted to see McTavish. I wanted to see Zegers. I wanted to see Bedard. And they have Olin Zellweger coming up. Jamie Drysdale is going to be healthy next year. They have a Pavel Minchikov as well from last year. They yeah. have a fun little team coming out of, of Anaheim. Adding uh, Bedard would have been fantastic. But yeah. you do mention as well, who the hell is Connor Bedard <laughs> going to play with? Jajar Kara? Like, what are we doing here? I saw this hilarious tweet seeing, uh, or saying uh, uh, Bedard and Jajar Kara are going to be like Kobe and Shaq. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, honestly, he might make uh, Kara Shaq. But I'm looking at the prospects for the Chicago Blackhawks, and I think they are very, at least at the top, underrated. But then it goes kind of downhill. Gavin Hayes for the Flint Firebirds. I really like uh, uh, Gavin Hayes, 41 goals, 40 assists, 81 points for the Firebirds in the OHL this year. And my favorite defenseman, well, my favorite offensive defenseman because mm -hmm, defensive skills aren't exactly the strongest, but Kevin Korczynski, who had 62 assists for the Seattle Thunderbirds, who are in the WHL final right now. But how does this change the not only the, the, the Chicago Blackhawks, but the outlook of the NHL 
and the Western Conference because another star and two stars because you have to remember that the 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 Anaheim Ducks are picking second overall, probably taking Fantilli or another really good player. How does yeah. this affect the Western Conference here? Because we are injecting more superstars into this conference in a conference that is already filled with superstars. Yeah, and you you hit the nail right on the head. And I, I was I tuned in a little bit. I know on this very channel, the, the Locked On NHL channel, there were a few of our hosts that went live during the, the lottery. And uh, Jason from Locked On Ducks was one of those hosts who was there and said, you know, he's disappointed to not get Bedard. But, you know, Adam Fantilli is certainly a good consolation prize. If, if this was, you know, you take Bedard out of this draft and Fantilli's the easy number one overall pick, I know in a lot of people's eyes. So. I think that there's still plenty to be excited about there with a, a lot of the guys you just mentioned, uh, Zellweger, McTavish, uh, Zegris, and even some of the veterans that they have there, guys like Troy Terry who have been around a little bit longer. So I, I think for the Western Conference, it's a good thing uh, because I think you know people looked at the Eastern Conference this year and said, oh, it's so competitive and the champion's going to come out of the East, which still could be true, but we've seen a lot of those Eastern Conference juggernauts fall off in the postseason, whereas the West still feels relatively wide open because all four of the remaining teams in the Western Conference playoffs have had really good games in their second round series, but they've also had some dud games. And so I think it, you know, adding players like Bedard, uh, Fantilli, and then even San Jose is getting the fourth overall pick. I, I think it's going to bolster the conference a little bit more. The only disappointing or another disappointing aspect for me is that Bedard is coming to the central division where the team I covered the stars play. So it's like, well, you know, McDavid's in the Western Conference, but at least he's not in the Stars division. You only have to play him two or three times a season, whereas now you'll get Connor Bedard, who you're going to have to see three or four times a season, if not even more in, in the postseason and places like that. So I think it makes things really interesting that you have now two Connors who are going to, who one is the best player in the league and one very well could earn that title in the next several years in the Central Division. So, I mean, it's exciting in that aspect that the Western Conference, I think, is going to continue to grow and get stronger. Uh, and that includes some of these teams that haven't been as relevant, like Chicago, uh, Anaheim, San Jose. I know San Jose's been in the postseason a little bit more recently, but I mean, I think it's a good thing to, to spread out some of the talent and get some of these teams that haven't been as competitive lately uh, up, you know, where they're fighting for playoff spots and playing meaningful games in March and April uh, or, you know, at the end of the season rather than knowing their season's over uh, before Christmas. The uh, official, well, the first 16 picks of the draft do look like this. Calgary gets 16th, Nashville 15th, the Pittsburgh Penguins 14th, the Buffalo Sabres 13th, the Arizona Coyotes at 12 because of the Ottawa Senators trade that saw Jacob Chikrin go to the Senators, the Vancouver Canucks at 11, the St. Louis Blues at 10, the Detroit Red Wings at 9, Washington Capitals at eight, the Philadelphia Flyers at seven, Arizona once again at six, five, Montreal, four, San Jose, three, Columbus, two, Anaheim, and one, as we have been talking about, the Chicago Blackhawks. Just before we wrap up here, I do want to mention that this draft as well, for the reason why I list off those 16 teams, is because there's about 10 to 12 players here who could really step in, maybe not necessarily next year, but when they do step in, 
could be very valuable players to their teams. Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Leo Carlson, Matt Vaynichkov, who does have a contract in Russia uh, until I believe it's 2025. So that may be something to watch out for. Edward Shala, uh, Will Smith, Colby Barlow, Zach Benson, uh, Axel Sandin Pelica, a lot of very good players in this draft. And you can even go down to Matthew Wood and Dalibor Dvorsky as well. This is going to be a fun draft and it all starts when the Chicago Blackhawks take the stage and are I guess technically officially kind of on the clock Alrighty, let's move on from teams who uh, had their biggest moment of the playoffs last night to the teams who are still looking for their biggest moment of the playoffs right now as the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights have been going back and forth in their series and there's a pretty interesting little, uh, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Script almost that uh, has been following not only the Oilers, but also the Dallas Stars. We will talk about that in just a second. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Indeed. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed is a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. We streamline hiring with powerful tools that find you matched candidates. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. According to Indeed Data US, start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash locked on offer good for a limited time claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash locked on indeed.com slash locked on terms apply and conditions need to hire you need indeed Alrighty, Dane, last night the Vegas Golden Knights returned the favor on the Edmonton Oilers. A nice little 5-1 win for Vegas, returning, as I mentioned, the favor from the 5-1 win for the Oilers in Vegas over on uh, over the weekend, excuse me. And now the Vegas Golden Knights lead the series 2-1, to heading, well, the game is in Edmonton still for Game 4, but heading into Game 4 in Edmonton. The Vegas Golden Knights did not seem too worried about heading into a hostile environment. But as mentioned, they do take the lead. They return the favor from what seemed to be the Oilers were probably going to be taking over this series. And they said, ah, 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 not so much. Dane, what did you see from the Vegas Golden Knights that really impressed you uh, from game three? Well, I think the biggest thing that impressed me was the the goaltender performances. Laurent Brossois, of course, starts that game and then leaves pretty early on. He only played for about 12 minutes and then leaves with some sort of lower body injury. And, and then Aiden Hill comes in in relief, not probably not very warm, probably not expecting to play at all. And it's not just, oh, you get thrown into a game. You're getting thrown into a game against the best offense in the NHL all season, the best power play in the NHL all season and you save every single shot that comes your way. And, and that was very, very impressive, and, and let alone as the road goalie as well. 
Uh, and I mean, it, it really looked like Edmonton was going to maybe be in control of this game early, scoring first back when Brassois was still in with that Warren Fogle goal. But I, I was really impressed with the way that, you know, Aiden Hill played and the way that the team rallied around him and gave him that that insurance that he needed in order to deliver a performance like that. And it was the guys that you expect to step up for the Vegas Golden Knights. Marsha Soul gets two. Jack Eichel has a three-point night. Uh, Chandler Stevenson getting the final goal of the game. I, I mean, and I know you're probably not liking hearing all this, but just an impressive performance overall going into, like you said, that hostile environment. I know that that's a loud building even in the regular season, let alone second round of the playoffs where the expectation is Stanley Cup final appearance or bust. Just a very impressive performance, especially from Aiden Hill uh, to come in unexpectedly such short notice and then to deliver the performance that he did uh, facing, again, the best offense in the NHL this season. Yeah, and and you mentioned it too. Well, really, from the Edmonton standpoint, the Oilers weren't ready. I I don't know what it seems to be for the Oilers in, in first games, and this is the first game back in Edmonton from the travel. Game one, the Edmonton Oilers were not very good as well, and this happened in the last series as well against the LA Kings. Lost game one, lost game three, and they come or they they in, into game four, they're down two one. Now against the LA Kings, they did fire off three straight and move on to the second round, but against the Vegas Golden Knights. You can't promise that. So it, it seems to be kind of a, I don't know if it's a jet lag or something like that, but the Edmonton Oilers never seem to do well after, in the playoffs at least, I should say, after travel. So that may be something to watch in this series. But with that being said, the Edmonton Oilers never seem to be fully ready. Yes, they did score two minutes and 45 seconds in with a Warren Fogel goal. But other than that, after that, and especially after Laurent Brassois went down, it seemed like the Edmonton Oilers were not giving up. That is a, a very poor representation, but it just wasn't there for the Edmonton Oilers. Now, I do want to mention as well that would that was Laurent Brassois' return to Edmonton playing playoff hockey for the first time since playing for the Edmonton Oilers and... He also played for the Edmonton Oil Kings back in, well, 2013 would have been the year that they went to uh, the Memorial Cup as well. So that has a lot of significance. So seeing Brassois go down, hopefully it is not a big injury because that is something that the Vegas Golden Knights have been dealing with. R uh, Robin Leonard, excuse me, at the start of the season, out for the entire year, and now we're in this situation. Uh, Logan Thompson, out for six weeks after the All-Star break, came back for a game, and then was injured again. They trade for Jonathan Quick, and now he's their third-string goaltender. You call up Laurent Brassois, and now he's injured, and now it is on the shoulders of Aiden Hill, who you acquired during this season, including Jonathan Quick as well. How do you feel about the goaltending situation for the Vegas Golden Knights? And is this a potential issue heading into, well, the rest of the series for Vegas? I, I mean, I, I think it's maybe a little bit concerning just given how quickly you've lost so many goalies, or really not quickly. It's been a slow burn all season long, like you mentioned, just one hit after another. But I, I mean, given Hill's performance in game three, and then now, given that Jonathan Quick is your backup, I, I feel like there has to be some semblance of confidence because Hill just delivered a, a 24 safe performance on short notice. And then, you know, Jonathan Quick, he's not what he used to be, but he has been 
in the Stanley Cup Finals before. He's won the Stanley Cup Finals before, so he knows what it takes to win. Even if he doesn't play, I have to imagine it's pretty nice as Aiden Hill having that guy in your corner as someone who can give advice or you know teaching moments, whether that be in practices or games uh, during intermissions in the locker room. I, I mean, it's not. I don't. It's definitely not the best goalie tandem or the best goalie situation in the Western Conference, but. It, it, I don't I don't know if it's the worst one either. I mean, it's it, it's not a bad place to be. And I know it's one game. I mean, I don't think we can expect another shutout from Aiden Hill in game four. But I mean, I he, he was ready for the moment, which I know a lot of goalies and a lot of players probably aren't ready for that moment. Uh, just mentally, physically having to jump in on such short notice. But uh, again, props to him for for finding that next level uh, and finding that state of mind to be in in order to help his team get the win. So I, I'm not. Over, I wouldn't be overly concerned if I'm a, a Vegas Golden Knights fan, but maybe a little bit nervous, but you have to feel pretty good after what Hill did in game three. I have been withholding this from you since the start, and now is when I'm going to drop this on you. <laughs> There's been a very interesting rhythm, I guess you can say, between the Edmonton Oilers and the Dallas Stars so far in these playoffs. So let me read this out to you. In round one, game one, the Dallas Stars lose and the Edmonton Oilers lose. Interesting. Game two, the Stars win and the Oilers win. Game three, Stars lose, Oilers lose. Games four, five, and six, the Oilers and the Stars both won three in a row and advanced to the second round. Then the second round came around. Game one. Stars and Oilers lose, and Joe Pavelski scores four goals, and Leon Dreisaitl scores four goals. In Game 2, the Edmonton Oilers and the Dallas Stars both win, and in Game 3, the Stars lose big time, and the Edmonton Oilers lose big time. In fact, at one point, the Stars were down 4-0, and the Edmonton Oilers were down 4-1. to is this maybe a, a weird little occurrence or that we're seeing here? Is this going to be a, a potential uh, thing that we're going to have to axe in the Western Conference Finals or what, Dane? I, I sure hope so. I, I hope both of these scripts for our sakes continue on. And it, it's funny you mentioned that. I mean, even the Stars, like just their own script has been the exact same because both game one losses in overtime, games that, oh. they that they were the better team in overtime probably should have won but just kind of weird bang-bang plays that don't happen very often lead to the other team winning. And then the Stars win game two, both of them at home, and one of them in blowout fashion. The other one, not as much of a blowout, but it was very much a wire-to-wire, -wire, not really ever a doubt that the Stars were going to win. And then game three, both games, game threes for the Stars, also big blowout losses. I think it was 5-1, 5-2 against Minnesota, 7-2 against uh, Seattle. And then if you want to take it a step further, the Stars lost a, a key player in, in the first three games. They lose Joe Pavelski in game one against Minnesota, and Miro Haskinen goes down in game three against Seattle. So the, the script writers in the Western Conference are creatures of habit, it, it would seem. So, But, I mean, if for the sake of the Stars and Oilers, if the script continues where they win the next three in a row, I, I wouldn't complain. I, I'd be fine with that. But I know at least from the Stars' perspective, Seattle is a much different team than Minnesota. Yes, absolutely. Let's get into that series in just a second. Already, Dane, we talked about it, or at least we, we've teased it a little bit. So let's talk about the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken as they do play tonight. Game four does go now. 
in Seattle as well. So that is going to be uh, after the game three game as well. Pretty interesting now that the the, the stars are down 2-1 in a relatively hostile environment as Seattle has been a, a, a cracking crowd. Do you like what I did there? Sorry. Um, but a 7-2 win for the Kraken heading into game four now from game three. You mentioned the blowout. You mentioned just how the Stars have been, well, now missing a, a key player in Miro Heiskin. Is he going to play tonight? Is that going to be a, a storyline to watch tonight? He should play. So he, he it, again, actually, I don't know how we missed this. Do you want to talk about more similarities between the Stars and Oilers? Miro and took a puck to the face. It unfortunately didn't go in the goal for the Stars, but Seattle scored off of it. So another similarity there between the Stars and Oilers this postseason. Yeah. Um, but it was really... You know, and they reported during the game, the broadcast on TVS saying that he was going to come back sometime maybe in the second period. But then by the time the second period ends, the stars are down 5-1 or 6-1, whatever the score was. And so then stars PR comes out on Twitter and they say that he's not going to return. And then after the game, uh, the media asked Pete DeBoer, they said, is Miro Haskinen actually injured or was this, uh, you know, hey, we're not going to win this game. Let's not risk anything with our star defenseman. And that's kind of where Pete DeBoer landed. He said it was more of a, you know, let's just play it safe because they pulled Jake Ottinger as well, who didn't have a very good game, but they pulled him in the third period and put Scott Wedgwood out there. So all the signs are pointing towards Miro Haskinen playing. He's technically a game time decision uh, per Pete DeBoer. But I mean, just given the kind of player he is, and it seems like it's really just some stitching on his face, which I say that. I mean, if I had stitches on my face, I'd probably be not working for a week. Uh, <laughs> but Miro Haskinen is such a competitor and such a key piece to this team. I can't see a world where he's not out there uh, because if he's not, I, I, there's no shot the Stars win this game. Let's talk. Uh, well, I'll talk a little Seattle crack in here. They deserve a lot of credit coming yeah. out of the first series against the Colorado Avalanche. Who we should mention as well. Gabriel Landis Cog will miss the 2023-2024 season with uh, cartilage replacement, which sounds absolutely terrifying. So all the best to uh, yeah. uh, Gabriel Landis Cog there. But the Seattle Kraken did beat a Gabriel Landis Cog less. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, and now they're moving on to the Dallas Stars, who was a very good team in the regular season, and they lead the series without any bona fide real stars. Yes, Matty Beneers is in his first full season in the NHL, but he's not a star yet. Ty Cardi has been a, a, an absolute, uh, I don't even know, a breakout player, and I don't even think I'm saying his name right yet. Like He has been a great player, almost a point-per-game player, almost, it seems like. For uh, Seattle, Jordan Eberle is looking like 2008 Jordan Eberle with the World Juniors. Vince Dunn is looking like an absolute star as well on the back end. And Ely Tolvanen, I feel bad for Nashville Predators fans because he is continually producing in the playoffs, in the regular season, and is being and playing a big role for the Vegas Golden, or for the uh, Seattle Kraken, excuse me. What do you think has been the key to the Seattle Kraken's success so far, not only in the playoffs, but against the Dallas Stars specifically? I, it really is just, and you know, you mentioned it, it it's just the depth. I mean, you, there's no real bona fide star, but it, it's a roster full of guys that you, you look at and you're like, man, I wouldn't mind having any of these guys on my team. I was actually talking with a, a, a friend during game two, and he's like, yeah, it's not a team that has you know, a like if you're playing, you know, in a, like the EA NHL game, like it's not guys that are in the 90s, but it's a bunch of like 82, 83 overall players where you're like, yeah, I wouldn't mind having that guy on my team because they, they all are good players. 
and they play hard. They skate fast. They're aggressive on the forecheck, and, and they they play as one. And I, I think the Stars are capable of doing that as well, but they just had no answer in games one and three for that forecheck and for that pressure, and that's why you see Jake Ottinger have statistically the worst performance of his career in game three, and I'm sure there's also an aspect of watching your star defenseman go down right in front of you, bleeding on the ice. That probably factors in a little bit to it, but you look at a lot of those goals that go past him, and they're saves that you normally see Jake Ottinger make. It was a very uncharacteristic performance from him, but yeah, and I, I mean, I know at times, whether it's been on this show or even my show, it feels like I'm maybe not giving Seattle their credit. They absolutely deserve the credit, but I think two things can be true at once, where Seattle deserves credit for what they've done, and at times the Stars just have not been prepared, and they haven't adjusted the way they needed to because the Seattle team is so different. They're a lot faster than Minnesota. They're still pretty physical, but Minnesota's game was more, hey, we're just going to you know, hit you and, and, and grind you down until there's nothing left, and the Stars were able to counter that with you know the, the speed that they have on their own, whether that was Rope Hintz or Miro Haskinen, uh, and you know navigating the neutral zone, those clean zone entries, and then setting up on offense. Seattle's not making that as easy for the Stars, and that's, again, because they have just a group of guys that know that, hey, there's not one star player. It's all just a bunch of guys who have one common goal, and that's that's to win games and you know continue this incredible run that we're seeing from a second-year expansion team. So uh, I'm right there with you. They deserve a ton of credit. And even with after the seven two blowout, you know, game in game three, I, I still don't think this series is over. I think the stars, if history is going to has shown us anything, they're going to find a way to respond tonight. And it really begins and ends uh, with Jake Ottinger, and then everything else is going to have to sort sort itself out too. Well, you mentioned now, and I I, I want to bring this up is the crease, the battle in the crease, and we'll wrap up today's episode with the battle in the crease. Philip Grubauer has taken the reins in the crease for the Seattle Kraken, six and four record so far, with a nine eighteen save percentage and a two point six seven goals against average. Jake Ottinger, a five and four record so far in the playoffs, with a point nine zero eight save percentage and a two point six eight goals against average. This is uh, for me a, a series that is win or one and loss in the crease. Jake Ottinger pulled in the last game, as you mentioned, and Philip Grubauer has surprisingly been one of the better goaltenders in the playoffs. First question is kind of what's going on with Jake Ottinger because a 908 is not Jake Ottinger numbers and especially not playoff Jake Ottinger numbers. And B, is Philip Grubauer going to win this series for the Seattle Kraken if they do win this series? I think he definitely could. I would argue that he's maybe the best Western Conference goalie right now. Just I know, obviously, Edmonton and Dallas kind of suffered same fates in Game 3. Vegas, who knows who's going to be in net for them on a nightly basis. Like, Philip Grubauer has been consistent since Game 1 against Colorado. And I feel like there was the aspect of in that first-round series, you're like, oh, well, he's playing his former team. He's he's motivated and wants to you know beat the, you know, a team that he used to play for. And then, you know, then maybe he cools off, but he hasn't really cooled off. He's kept up those incredible numbers. Whereas Jake Gottinger, I, I I think it's one of those things where he's a young guy who's still as great as he's been in the playoffs this year. And then especially last year against Calgary, still finding his footing a little bit and also still finding ways to push through the playoffs after starting 60 plus games in the regular season. I mean, and I know it's not an excuse because everyone's tired at this point in the year because everyone has played, you know, 
60 plus games and a lot of skaters defensemen have played you know all 82 regular season games and now they're playing in every playoff game so it's not really an excuse but I I do think that that factors in a little bit and and, you know you look at the first round series Jake Ottinger struggles in game three against Minnesota and then after that I I actually talked about it on today's Locked on Stars the numbers were incredible in games four five and six I think he it was like one goals again like the goals against average was a a one Uh, the save percentage was nine six five or somewhere it was above 960 and and he threw a shutout in there as well so he has a knack for responding in a big way after tough losses he hasn't ever had a loss as bad as the one he suffered Sunday so I'm curious to see how he resets and how he adjusts but I mean th- this is going to be the battle to watch here in game four so I have, I have a feeling that Jake Ottinger is going to need to come up big and potentially steal this game for the stars because I mean their offense has been pretty good for the most part they didn't look great on Sunday but, I mean, you need guys like Jason Robertson, who only has one even strength point this playoffs, and the only, and really only seven total, six of them on the power play. But he's been a non-factor in this series. He needs to step up. Joe Pavelski needs to continue to play well. Five goals in this series so far. And, and I mean, it's, it's just got to be a group effort. you got to find a way to play like Seattle. You know, if you want to beat them, you, you got you to gotta do what they do. And so the Stars all season, I think, have been a team that can roll four lines. But... So some of their lines haven't looked as great as some of Seattle's do. So the the battle in net definitely the one to watch. But we're going to need a few other stars players to step up too if if they want to even this series back up at two. The Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars go at it tonight, six thirty Pacific local time at uh, the Climate pledge arena the seattle kraken look to extend their 2-1 lead to 3-1 lead in the series and the dallas stars look to tie it up all righty dane let's wrap up today's episode of locked on nhl western conference tuesdays where can the people find you yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Dane double underscore Lewis, and you can find all things Locked on Stars. Just search the show name on Instagram or Twitter, and wherever you get your podcast, we'll be talking about this game probably late tonight or tomorrow morning, and, and hopefully hopefully it's a win for, for my sake. I mean, all of these games have been such late starts out on the West Coast, so I'm hoping that if I'm going to stay up late, it's at least for a winning effort. So be sure to check out Locked on Stars for any information uh, that you could want on this team in the playoffs and beyond. And you can find me personally at the real Holden 40. That is Twitter. That is Instagram. That is MSN messenger. That is MySpace, Facebook. I don't care. You can find me at the real Holden 40. If you don't care about me, you care about the Oilers and you can find locked on Oilers on Twitter at locked on Oilers. Exactly how it sounds. Or, You can find us on YouTube, and if you haven't subscribed already, what are you doing? We clearly have the best camera setup in the entire (laughs) Locked On NHL group, Uh, but you can find us there on YouTube at Locked On NHL, or Locked On Oilers, excuse me, exactly how it sounds. Let's wrap up there, Dane, as mentioned, the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken Game 4 goes tonight at the Climate Pledge Arena and the Edmonton Oilers and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. How about a couple of expansion teams going at it, both with leads as the Vegas Golden Knights lead the Edmonton Oilers 2-1. to one. Game 4 goes tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us on Locked On NHL Western Conference Tuesdays. Stay safe and honestly, don't do anything we wouldn't do. See you all later.